0: 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in your Bible tonight, please. The book of 2 Corinthians and chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And uh, let me see, we'll start our reading in verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 12. The Bible says, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. I titled the message for tonight. Who are you living for today? Let's pray. We'll get right on into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and grace and love and care. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you that you're a loving Heavenly Father that's always, always trying to draw us closer to you and to help us to walk and live the life that you would have us to live and father we pray tonight that you'd use your word like a tool help us fix us work on us uh, lord do what needs to be done uh, that we might continue uh, lord to uh, press toward the mark on the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus we need you so badly we need to help that only you can give Certainly, even to preach this message, we just pray for that unction that uh, only can come from on high. Bless and help us now, we pray through your word, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. It appears to me that a lot of people, once they're saved, and that uh, God has given them victory over some sins that were... real bother to them maybe some very hard sins that were in their life whatever at that time they get feeling like uh, and even though they might not say it this way that they're doing good enough I mean a few things God's given them victory over a few things and they get feeling like well I'm doing good enough and really don't have any need to go any further I'm just kind of plateaued I'm comfortable where I'm at I really don't need much more help than this Uh, you know, God has accomplished in them all that they wanted Him to, all that they wanted Him to. And now it'd be a lot easier if He would just, you know, let them continue on their own. Everything's fine. They're better than they used to be, you know. I mean, not as bad as I used to be. Um, And they don't see any need for further changes. But here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that once we're saved, it's not... It's not about what we intend ourselves to be, but what he initially intended for us to be when he created us. Because uh, once we're saved, we belong to him. Once we're saved, we're no longer our own. Uh, C.S. Lewis gave this illustration. I thought it was very good. It goes kind of like this. Imagine, if you will, that you're a living house, a living house. And uh, God has moved in and he's going to remodel you. That's why he came in. Came in so he could remodel you. And when he first starts, you understand that there, there's got to be some things, some changes made. And, and you're more than willing to let him take care of those because you know they need to be made. And he redoes some plumbing and he puts new flooring in areas and he puts a new roof on and you know different things and you're very thankful because you knew that those things needed work and in that you know you're not surprised I knew this was going to change that was going to change I knew that needed to be different all these things however when he starts doing some work that you weren't expecting and really maybe even somewhat opposed to him doing it becomes a different story wow. uh, some things some thing some things hurt dreadfully and really some of the changes that he's making uh uh, uh, some of the changes that he's doing makes no sense whatsoever and you get to thinking what in the world's going on I mean what, what is he doing well he is remodeling in a much different way than what you had in mind he's adding on a room here he's remodeling a room that well he's remodeling a room that you were really pretty comfortable in And, uh, you know, he's uh, putting on completely new siding. I mean, he's making the place look completely different. And you thought he was just going to remodel your house just a little bit. But he's building a palace. Because he came to live in it himself. We get saved by the grace of God. The Holy Ghost of God comes to live in here. It's his dwelling place. And he's going to make some changes. And it's really up to us whether or not we um, stop the remodel or not once he moves in. Because I guarantee you, he's going to have different ideas than we have. He's going to want to do some different things than we ever thought about. But after all, we do belong to him. That's quite an eye-opening illustration, isn't it? I mean, it was to me. I thought it was very, very good. The Apostle Paul is dealing with the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth had a lot of problems. They needed help to get things running the way that God would have them to go. And up to this point, he's been talking about things that he has accomplished in his ministry. And and not bragging on himself, but bragging on the Lord and what God has done. And the Apostle Paul was under attack. Um, All kinds of charges were being brought against him by people. And he was trying to give those that were being faithful, he was trying to give those more ammunition to answer his critics. And the only way that it was going to ever be taken care of is for it to be dealt with, of course. And uh, these people, they needed to confront and defend him against his criticizers. They uh, They needed to get all of that put behind them because the church itself needed to get back to reaching and discipling people for Christ. You know, you know, the reason that it's, it's so good to have unity in a church the way that we do is because we don't have time to fuss and fight. Come on, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And there's a lot to be accomplished before His return. And as a church, we need to be reaching people for Jesus Christ and we need to be discipling people for Jesus Christ and helping them to grow closer to Him and to be more like him, and you can't do that if there's a bunch of other stuff going on in a church. Those that had to come against the Apostle Paul were those who gloried in their listen now who gloried in their appearance. Man, those those new words I come up with, I don't know where they come from anyway. Those two brain cells I have left, It's just kind of when they collide, it's all over with anyway. Who gloried in their appearance? but not their heart. And if you've been around here any time at all, you know that uh, we're concerned about the heart. I mean, God cares about the outside. We have to understand that too, to an extent, but the heart needs to be right first. And these people were more, and they were more concerned about the outside. So, 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 so those that cared about, uh, well, they cared about their original ideas and they cared about their interpretation of the scriptures and their abilities and their zeal and their commitment and their way of doing things I mean it was all about it was all about them it was all about them looking good rather than just serving God with all of their heart they did things to be seen in the eyes of men someone once said this is good the trouble with some self-made men is that they worship their creator okay i'm going to say it again because i don't think all of you got it the trouble with some self-made men is they worship their creator someone else said god sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves we have to be careful thinking we've arrived We have to be careful thinking that God's done enough. We have to be careful thinking that, oh, okay, God, you know, okay, I've given up this, this, and I started doing this and this, and that's really, you know, where I want to be. What may not be where God wants you to be? He may have more to do. No, 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 no. We're not supposed to be telling God what he's going to do in our life. We're supposed to be saying, Lord, whatever you would have me to do, and whatever you want me to do. And whatever you want to do in my heart, in my life, I mean, that's the way that it's supposed to do. And it's really something because they had told the Apostle Paul that, that he was just crazy. Paul, you're just crazy. You're, your problems, you're just whacked out. You're just plumb crazy. Verse number uh, 13 there. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Oh, uh, no, it's 11. Verse 13, I'm sorry. For whether we be beside ourselves, beside ourselves, Um. You're beside yourself, Paul. Good grief, what's wrong with you? You're mad. You're crazy. You're insane. Paul, Paul, you don't act like other people. You're just a fool for Christ. That's your problem. Come on, that's what they were saying to him. And he accepted that fact. But he explains the reason for it right here in the scriptures. Paul was a fool for God's glory. Oh, no, no. Okay, verse number 13 again. For whether we be beside ourselves, whether we be crazy or not, it is to God that's what he said it's to God he, he was he was he was probably the apostle Paul was probably teaching uh adhering to the teachings of the scripture like Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16 where the bible says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven okay you no, no he was trying to live that because we're supposed to live the scriptures amen he maybe he was he was thinking about john fifteen eight herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples or first corinthians six ten ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, or maybe second Thessalonians chapter one verse twelve the name, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ maybe the apostle Paul was just trying to live the way that God told him to live you yes. very well could have been absolutely so and people because no no walk up, don't look up here people because of that people said man you're nuts you're just crazy you've gone off the deep end Uh, You got wrapped up in this religion thing and now you just think you're better than everybody else, trying to act better than everybody else and all this stuff. Oh no, that's kind of stuff they were saying about him. Exactly what they were saying about him. Exactly what they'll try to say about you and me when we start trying to live for God and do those things. Come on, exactly what they're going to say about you and me when we decide that we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that and we're not going to listen to that and we're not going to tolerate that and we're not going to go there and we're not going to watch that and, and, and no, I don't want any part of that. No, no, no. People will begin to look at you like you're. Some kind of a nutcase. Just like they were looking at the Apostle Paul. But how in the world can we continue to name the name of Jesus Christ when we're not working to glorify God in our life? Oh, come on. Okay. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, you know, Christian means Christ-like. So how do we continue to name the name of Christ to say we're a Christian when we're not working, we're not trying, we're not doing that which would glorify God in our life? Come on, these are some things we need to think about on a very regular basis. Why come, preacher? Because it keeps us going the way that God would have us to go. I mean, surely after we're saved by the grace of God, we wouldn't want to shame the name of Christ. Come on, surely after we're saved by the grace of God, that, that we wouldn't we want want people to think we wouldn't want people to think bad of Christ. Oh, come on, surely after we're saved by the grace of God, we don't want people to think that you know that we just we just want to wear the badge the the name badge of Christian, but we really don't want to act that way. Come on, it is important that we try to live up to the name of Christ, isn't it? I mean, if we're going to call ourselves Christian, shouldn't we act like a Christian? Shouldn't we walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian? I mean, shouldn't we not live our lives like a Christian? If we're going to call ourselves a Christian, we're carrying the name of Christ with us. And But Paul, Paul also was a fool for the sake of the people. Because he said in that very verse, he said, it is for your cause. It's for your cause. <clears throat> I think one of the things we miss about, I think one of the points that we miss about being a Christian is that, is that we live the life that God wants us to live for others. I said, we do it for others. I said, that's very, I know it's very, very foreign. I know it's very foreign in the world that we live in because in the world we live in right now, it's all about me. It's all about self. It's all about what I want, how I want it, when I want to do it. You can't tell me what to do. I'll live my life the way I want to. I'll go where I want to. I'll I'll dress the way I want to. I'll live the way I want to. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm telling you, life sold out to God, a life sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ is not all about you. It's all about Him. It's all about carrying His name. I mean, showing, being the light that shines, being the salt of the earth. It's It's all about Him. And we do that for others. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's getting to the place. Well, we're back to where I don't want to take too many steps back, but it's getting to the place where we don't want to be like that because we don't want people to think we're odd. But heavens to Betsy, I mean, if we're going to name the name of Christ and we're, we're trying to be conformed into the image of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're trying to be more like Christ, then shouldn't it be about others? Because I know if you're reading your Bible, you're seeing that Christ came down here and what He did day after day after day for the time He was here is try to help others. He was always reaching out to others. He was doing what He could to help others. Come on, to encourage others, to exhort others, to edify others. I mean, he was always out there doing something for someone else. We've got to be careful about not getting so self-centered right. Right. that we're not willing to reach out the way that God would have us to reach out. because once we are saved by the grace of God and begin to be, begin to be discipled by the Lord Jesus Christ and what He would have us to do, we need to be thinking about others. It is for your cause. He said, uh, it is to God or whether we be sober, it is for your cross or whether, we, or whether we be sober. Now, hold it. Sober doesn't mean he wasn't drinking, even though it's good not to be drinking. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. The Apostle Paul, this, this word sober there is talking about serious. Now, I don't think that we need to be so serious that we can't have a good time. Uh, I don't think we need to be so serious that we can't have a sense of humor. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) But I think as far as uh, being what God wants us to be, we need to be serious about that. We need to be serious. And the apostle Paul was so serious about the things of God that people thought he was crazy. They just thought he was crazy. No, he got serious about the things of God. Well, what do you mean preacher? I mean, it didn't matter what anybody else was doing. He was going to live for God. Didn't matter who he was around. He was going to live for God. Didn't matter where he went. He was going to live for God. Didn't matter. Persecution that he had to face, he was going to live for God. Come on, I mean, they tried to kill him several different times. He was serious about what he was doing, and and, and he was determined he was going to live for God. They just thought he was plumb crazy. You're carrying this thing way too far, uh, Paul. I mean, good grief, You're, this is nuts. You don't have to listen. Come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. You don't have to listen to all the teachings of Christ. You know what you need to do, Paul? Pick and choose. Come on, Paul, pick and choose, pick and choose. I mean, you pick what you want to and just, you know, choose that. But good grief, you don't have to live all that stuff. Nobody expects you to live that kind of a holy life. Well, let me stop you. God does. God expects us to live that life. No, no, no. He says it. Be ye holy for I am holy. It's right there in His Word. He really does expect us to live a life that's pleasing unto Him. He does expect it. He wants it for us. He wants it from us. Isn't it something how those that choose to live their lives for God, listen to me, isn't it something how those who really choose to live their lives for God with a willingness to go the extra mile end up being ridiculed by those who like to pick and choose? No, no, we have to face the pressure of those that, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, you just think you're better than everybody else. I don't think I'm better than anybody (laughs) at (laughs) all. I'm just trying to be what God would have me to be. That's all I'm trying to do because I want to help other people. I want, to, I, want to, I want to lead other people in the way that God would have them to go. Come on. Paul said that he lived as he did because he had a desire to help others. Listen to me now. Listen to me. He had a desire to help others separate from this world unto a holy God. Come on, we talk about separation. The, the doctrine of sanctification is a separation. And, and you say, well, we're, we're, to be, we're, to be, we're just to be separated from this world. No, 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 no. We're to be separated from this world unto a holy God. Okay. If we just stop doing all this stuff that we shouldn't be doing anyway, if we just stop doing that, then we're kind of in limbo out there, aren't we? Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> It, it, it's not good enough It's not good enough to just quit listening to the music you shouldn't listen to. You have to quit listening to music you shouldn't listen to and start listening to good music. It, 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 it's, it's not good enough that we just quit going places we shouldn't go. We quit going places we shouldn't go and then we start going places we should go. Now, come on, and, and, and you, you can carry that scenario as far as you want to carry it. But when we separate ourselves from bad things, we need to separate unto holiness, unto what God would have us to do. It's very important that we do, or we're just stuck out there, stuck, stuck, out, stuck out there in limbo. Paul wanted to be an example as Christ was an example. He wanted to be an example. It's not a bad idea to follow that type of teaching, do you think? No, 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 no. I mean, seeing that the apostle Paul was probably one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth. It's not a bad idea to follow that kind of example. I mean, God even had him write some pretty good instruction along the way, didn't he? I mean, I think of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things before, I press, toward, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God and Christ Jesus. Oh my, that's what I preached last Sunday night. Don't make me do that again. Amen. I had to take a nap after that. That was... So what pushed Paul so hard then? What pushed him so hard? Well, it was the love of God. I'm going to read verse 14. Look at that day. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Okay, now, the love of Christ it was the love of God that pushed him so hard Well, preacher, you know, if I just had somebody that was just there encouraging me all the time, I I think it's good that we would encourage one another. But there's not always a cheerleader standing there, is there? Oh, come on, come on, come on. There's there's not always somebody that's right there that's saying, man, you're doing good. You need to keep living for God, doing those things. Really, most of the time, uh, we're surrounded by people that don't care whether we do it or not. And a lot of the times we're surrounded by people that would rather us not do that. Going out in the workforce and all. Well, well then, then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to allow the love of God to keep us headed in the right direction. The love of God. You know, that God loved you enough that He sent His only begotten Son to die for your sin. The, the love of God. You know, because of the love of God, if you're saved, because of the love of God, uh, you don't have to go to hell if you're saved. You you know, the love of God, if you're truly saved by the grace of God, and God has made some changes in your life, I mean, every once in a while, every once in a while, it's just real good to look at the changes that He's already made in our life, isn't it? Come on, the changes He's already made in our heart. And we know it was God that did it. Come on, there were things that God did in my heart initially that I know it wasn't Bill Marshall that did it. I tried to turn over new leaves. I tried to change my life. I tried to do different things before I met Christ. But man, after I met him and he did some work in here and he made some changes, every once in a while I just had to look back at, no, no, stay with me here. Every once in a while I just had to look back and go, man, I'm so thankful he did that. I'm so thankful he put me here and I'm so thankful he drugged me out of there and I'm so thankful. You know why he did that? Because he loves me. And, and I had to allow that love of God at times. I mean, still working out in the oil field, you know, not long after I got saved and working around that savory crowd, you know, that wonderful crowd out there. I mean, I had to allow the things that God had already done in my heart and my life to be what kept me going. I, I, I can remember times, I can remember times, I can remember times that, that I just broke down and sobbed just by myself. I'm by myself talking to God I just broke down and sobbed, just wept just wept because of what God had already done in my heart and life and pulled me out of. And, I, and and here I am, I've just left a group that didn't care anything about God and would rather me just go back to shooting dope and being that person. And, and, and I, I got away from that and went and got by myself and I just wept because of what God had done. No, no, I didn't weep because I wanted to go back. I wept because I was so thankful that God had pulled me out of that mess. And I'm telling you, before he saved me, I wouldn't even have thought about shedding a tear about anything. But he loved me. Enough to save me and then to pull me out of that junk. No, 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 to to give me a heart. To give me a heart to where I didn't want to anymore? No mercy, I'm telling you. There's times like that that's the only thing that kept me going. Because at that point, I didn't know a lot. I mean, there was, I knew very few Christians at all. So it had to be his love for me that would just keep me pushing forward. And keep me trying to be what he would have me to be. Man, it pushed Paul. Well, how come it pushed Paul so much? Uh, Paul was a Christian killer. Oh, come on. God changed his life. He changed his heart. He, he, was, he was persecuting God's church. He was persecuting God's church. He was killing Christians. And God saved him. And forgave him. And put him on a different path. And it was like, man, he has done so much for me how can I best just keep on going for Him? He has changed my life so drastically. I I need to let other people know and help other people live for Him too. Come on, that's what... No, no, no. The love of Christ. I mean, no, no. it, it, It is the love of Christ that should compel us to live our life for Him. Because I'm telling you, out there in that world, many times you're going to feel like you're very alone. Oh, I wished our young people would get this. You don't need the approval of anybody but God. That's good for young and old alike, but I really wished our young people would get this. You don't need the approval approval of anybody but God. And if you have God's approval, look up here. If you have God's approval, you're going to be doing real good. I promise you, really good. And if you, if you, no, no. And if you're allowing him to help you to go the way that he would have you to go, your life's just going to get better and better. It's going to get better. Well, I, I know, but I mean, you know, he wants me to give up this, and he wants me to give up that, and I just don't know. Well, let me just go ahead and correct something for you. If he wants you to give up something, it's going to be best for you. Well, I know, but been, you know, then he wants me to do this and do that. Yeah, that's what I talked about a minute ago, that we separate ourselves from something unto something that is holy. And whatever he wants you to do, don't be scared of that because it's going to be mm, best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely so. The word constraineth here comes from a Greek word, which means to, it means to, to press together or hold together or, or, or to hold fast. So the love of Christ, when we finally learn to acknowledge it, the love of Christ when we really finally learn to acknowledge it in our own lives it presses us it, it compels us it, it it stirs us to hold fast to the life that he has for us man the life that he gave me so much better than any it's so much better than anything i tried before i ever met him so much better It should be the love of Christ that constrains us. Give me the love of Christ that constrains us. Not a rule book. Oh, We should have rules in our home. We should have guidelines in our home. Absolutely so. But it should be the love of Christ. It should be the love of Christ that causes us to separate from the world unto him. I mean, if he first loved us, listen, if he first loved us enough to die for us, and he did, shouldn't we love him for saving us from our sins? only makes sense. Someone has said, Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he is valued above all. Talked about that a little this morning, didn't we, about him having preeminence. Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he's valued above all. Paul didn't say that he was driven to... um, his life for God because of their, listen to me, he didn't say he was driven to his life for God because of the great teachings of Christ or the teachings of Christ are great or the great example of Christ. Although we should try to follow the steps of our savior or the great ministry of Christ, although it is to be admired or even the great life of Christ. Although I'm very thankful that he lived and died for me. All those things I mentioned are very, very important, very important. Um, but they're not the foundation of our salvation and they're not the foundation of our lives that are to be lived for Him. The foundation of a true believer's life is the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ. Come on, it's a... No, no, no. There are times that that is the only thing that will keep us going and that is why we have to... That is why we have to realize how much He loves us. Songwriter wrote, Oh, love of God, how rich and pure... How measureless and strong. It it shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. I'm telling you, you can't measure the love of God. You can't measure the love of Christ. How wonderful it is. And please listen to me. No, no, look up here. Please listen to me. To try to to live for him. Get this, please. To try to live for him uh, and serve him for other reasons than that. Please get this. To try to live for him or serve him for other reasons will only leave you empty. And just leave you wondering why you don't have the joy for doing that. If you're doing it, if you're doing it just because somebody's making you doing it, if you're doing it because You're trying to be somebody if you're doing it because you want to make a name for yourself. If you're doing it because you want a title, whatever the case may be, leave you empty. It'll leave you absolutely empty. Well, to do the things that we do because Christ loves us. And we're doing our best to love him back. The love of Christ is shown in His sacrificial death. He loved us when we were unlovable. No, no, no. You think about that for just a minute. He loved us when we were ungodly sinners. Now, I don't know you, but I know me. And I know where He found me. And, And really, I'm ashamed that He even had to come to where I was to get me. He loved me when I was a very ungodly sinner. Think about it. When he gave his life on that old rugged cross all those years ago, he proved his love for mankind. But get this. Come on, we're we're doing good. But get this. He died that we might die. What? Last part of verse number 14 there. It says, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Now the tense of this verb, we've got to get this. The tense of this verb gives us the thought then of then all died. And it's speaking, it's speaking of those ha, that, that have uh, trusted Christ. It's speaking to believers. We could go over Romans chapter 6. It explains it all in detail. Talking about our identification with Christ. Uh, but when Christ died... We that are saved died with him. We that are saved, we died with him. And uh, that being known, the old life does not have to have any more hold on us today. Excuse me, because we have been set free in Christ In Christ. One of my favorite verses is Galatians 2.20. We've been singing it here of late. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. He did die for us. And there's a reason behind it. And it's found in verse number 15. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So he died that we might live. And it's not only, uh, it's not, a, it's not, mm, come on brain, it, it's not that we only, mm, yeah, it's not that we only died for him, but we also been raised with him to walk in newness of life, yeah. to live a different life. Our, our life, once we're saved, is to be different. I'll say it again. Yeah. I could say it again and again and again. Yeah. Our, our life, once we are saved by the grace of God, it's supposed to be different. Because we are to live for Him. Well, I thought we just got saved so we don't have to go to hell. Oh, no, no, no. That's just a perk. Amen. Amen. I'm very thankful I never have to go to hell. I'm very, very thankful for that. Absolutely so. That's just No, no, no. We're, we're saved from our sin to live for Him. We have died with Christ. Listen to me. Listen to me. No, no. We that we that are really we that, that have truly trusted Christ. We, we 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 have died with Christ. So because of Him, we can overcome sin. We we live with Christ, so we can bear fruit for the glory of God. We have eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to understand that He died for us, that we might live for Him and not unto ourselves. Okay, I'm going to read the verse to you again. And that He died for all. That they which live, talking about those that have been born again, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. It's right there. We've, we've, we've. someone once said, Christ died our death for us that we might live his life for him. I thought that was pretty good. If we've been saved by the grace of God, if we've truly been saved by the grace of God, How can we live the rest of our life in selfishness? Well, preacher, good grief, man. I just wish you'd get off my case because I'm living for God. Preacher, good grief, man. I'm living for God. I know, I know, I know, I know, no, 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 no this style. I know there might be a few things I'm holding on to. You know, things I just don't want to let go. But I'm living for God. I'm living for God. Okay. What about this thought? A wife that is eighty five percent faithful to her husband is not faithful at all. True or false? We have a very half-hearted Christianity in our world today. I don't believe we fully understand that people back in this time when they trusted Christ as their Savior, they left everything to follow Him. Their life was different because of Him. There's no such thing as part-time faithfulness to Christ. One commentator said this, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. I wasted about the first four and a half years of my Christian life because I failed to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Come on, He is Lord no matter what. But I failed to make Him the Lord of my life. Because only you can do that. <clears throat> God gave me verse 15 one day. I mean, really illuminated it, showed it to me. It's a long story, I won't get into it all, but he, he gave me that one day after straying a long way from Him after I'd gotten saved. And I was to the point that I was asking him to do some miracle in my life to prove that he was there. God, I just need you to do this and do that and prove me. And it was at that time when he showed me this verse that he explained it to me like this. He said, look up here, look up here. He said, Bill? Uh, You've been asking for a miracle. But I've already done one in your life. I saved your soul. Um, And all that I have really wanted you to do from that time is for you to quit living for yourself and start living for the one that died for you and rose again. That's what the verse says. Isn't it, amazing, isn't it amazing how you can be reading your Bible and the Holy Spirit of God can illuminate it just like that? And it's like, pfft, mercy. Well, that's what he did for me that day. And it was a life changer. I, uh, my, that's my life's verse, if you will. If I, when I sign my name to the end of a letter, card, whatever, then I sign it with that verse. Because that verse changed my life. It made me understand that salvation wasn't just so I don't have to go to hell. He saved my soul that I might live my life for him and not for me. Um, it's the same for you. And it was an eye opener for me and I'm very thankful he never gave up on me. And and doing my best to fully follow God has been and really still is the greatest journey that could have ever been experienced. Someone has very well said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for a life that's wholly yielded to him. Don't miss that. No, no, I'm, I'm fixing to quit. God is ready to assume full responsibility for a life that is wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly yielded to Him. But you'll never know that life until you're wholly yielded. I think a lot of people miss it. I said, I think a lot of believers miss it because they don't want to give their life completely to the one that saved their soul. In 1858, Frances Ridley Havergal visited Germany with her father who was getting some treatment for his eyes. He was having some eye problems. And while in a pastor's home over in Germany, she saw a picture of a crucifixion up on the wall. And underneath the, the picture were the words, I did this for thee. What hast thou done for me? And at that time, she took out a piece of paper and she began to write a poem based upon that saying. And after writing the poem and then sitting there and reading it, she thought that, she, that this isn't, isn't going to work. And, and, you know, and so she just went over to the burning fireplace and was going to throw it in. And as she threw it in, the fire, the you know, how fire puts off, and it just kind of blew it back out of the fireplace instead of landing in the fireplace. And her dad went over and picked it up and and, uh, took it and read it, and he went and encouraged her. He said, you need to publish this. This really is very, very good. And it's a song that we sing today to a tune that's composed by Philip P. Bliss uh, that goes like this. Oh, I'm not going to sing it. Don't get a worried look on your face like that. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightest ransomed be and quickened from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? For me. Who are you living for today? Maybe this should be the day that you sell out holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. To God. Stand with me. Would you stand with me? Our precious Heavenly Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for Your wonderful Son, that was willing to come and to die for the sin of mankind, that we might know you as our Heavenly Father, and that we might know you in the free pardon of sin. And Lord, I am uh, thankful that you continue to encourage us by your Word and by your Spirit to live our life wholly for you. And Father, that you continue to work on us little by little to get us to that place that you would have us to be of being conformed, into the image, conformed to the image of your precious Son. And Father, I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts tonight, but we're going to open up the altar, and as we do, I, I pray that people would respond the way that you would have them to respond. That they would yield their life, their whole life, every part of it to you. That you might use them for your honor and your glory that you might use them to be a help to others. Moms and dads need to yield that they might help their children. Children need to yield that they might help their brothers and sisters. Young people need to yield that they might help their friends. Help us to sell out. Help us to live for you. Holy, yielded. Please bless this time of invitation, we pray, and thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. People have already come to the altar. You need to come tonight. Why don't you? Why don't you come spend a minute with God? Just bow a knee to Him, humble yourself before Him. I mean, He might do something in your heart. No, you yield yourself, you humble yourself. And He might do something in your heart that you're not even sure He could do. Just let Him have His way. You'll not regret it. It could possibly be the best thing you've ever done. Would you come? Whatever God wants.